0: Everybody, welcome to the Walsh Republic Podcast, episode sixty-seven today. Hello, everybody, and I am here with my guest Scott Armstrong. How are you doing, Scott?
1: Hey, I'm doing really good, man. How you doing? Sorry, I don't know if that went through. I was accidentally <laughs> pressed play on your show on my end, and so you had like a little echo there. I don't know if that went through, but I thought that was
0: kind of fun. Oh, it will be fine. You know, we can get double, double the sound. yeah <laughs> double.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doubling down there, a little echo. So, anyway. Man, yeah, thank you so much for having me on, man. I know we've been uh, planning on this for a minute, so it's cool to actually be here. And uh, it, it always ceases to, it never ceases to amaze me, like how you can be on the other side of the world and, like, <clears throat> you know, I feel like we're just sitting in a room chatting together. It's crazy.
0: Oh yeah, I think in the last two years, especially with the way that COVID has been going and waking a lot of people up, I just think you know, around the world we are seeing a great awakening, especially when you see so much, you know, countries like France. Spain and Portugal and like Italy protesting the European union and protesting the whole COVID narrative, you know, and protesting the elite. It's like, we're seeing like this great awakening now.
1: Yeah. And I'm, and it's, I mean, it was weird too, because though, maybe I can get your perspective on this, but I feel like (laughs) there was a great awakening happening right before COVID too. I mean, I remember like, it wasn't being reported in the media, but I remember like France in particular, like what we were seeing, was you know the yellow vest protest and it was like 2019, like the summer fall 2019, right? And that was starting to expand to other countries. and I remember there was like the Hong Kong protest was really popping off. I think people had had enough at that point. And you know, part of me feels like the whole COVID global COVID psyop was timed, you know, to kind of quell that just organic uprising that was happening, you know, worldwide. And it was funny because here in the United States, like we were very insulated from any of that anger and uh you know any of that energy trickling over to here like they they were like man we don't want to get these americans pissed off the same way that these french people are pissed off <laughs> you know and so i think like uh they were like global pandemic roll out the global pandemic right and you don't hear and then, and then you didn't hear you didn't hear a damn thing from hong kong and you didn't hear a damn thing from france or anywhere in europe but i remember i mean i'm right am i right like you guys were like taking care of business over on the other side of the pond there right before COVID.
0: Mm so Scott tell me about your podcast rebunked podcast and tell me like what is your journey to starting a podcast what like oh. made you get into conspiracy theories and like what are you hoping to gain and what are you trying to do with your podcast I've also see that you've got people like David Ike on your podcast too which is very impressive
1: oh well thanks man yeah that was truly an honor to have uh Mr. Ike on that was a recent interview that I did um you know again a long time in the making I've, I've kind of uh you know we had gareth on back in the day and he put us in contact with some of the anyway it was just you know this whole journey man and 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 i know like i've seen like you know i've been watching following your show for a minute and you've had a lot of my friends on like aaron uh kingsley <coughs> from float um uh jason jason bassler i've had him on the show randy from uh soundwave Productions, you know what i mean like It's cool how this journey, you just kind of just like jump from one person to the next. And you're like, your your friend circle kind of grows. And then now that we've established contact, like, it's really cool. Okay, so but what a loaded question. Like, I mean, in terms of how I got into like truth, quote unquote, truth, you know, uh, probably my biggest one was, I believe I can't remember exactly where it came from, but I think it was like the zeitgeist movie. And then the idea that there was a third tower that fell in new york city on september 11th until the, the whole tower seven thing i was like what come on now that can't be true so you know I've, as never the, heard
0: of I've never heard of that furry the third tower where was the third tower located?
1: hold on all right all right hold stop the presses we gotta we gotta we're gonna <laughs> do a deep dive here are you ready are you ready for this
0: Sure yeah, thing. Can, go ahead
1: no this is great man i mean this is this is instrumental uh ground floor like you know, foundational stuff that really everybody in the world doesn't need to understand in order to understand what we're witnessing today. And it's kind of interesting because the very first podcast I ever did was a show with my two friends, Megan and Ed. We started a show called Truthzilla, the Truthzilla podcast. And that's kind of what put us on the map because we did that show for a couple years and it got pretty popular. You know, that's how my podcasting journey started. But we felt that for the very first episode, you know, this was actually post COVID. So this was like weeks after COVID had rolled out. And those of us, and you know, Ed and I and Megan, we'd been looking into these things for a long time. And we were like, we have to start a show to sound the alarm bells and educate people real quick so that they can understand what's going on with this whole COVID new world order stuff, right? We can't just walk up to somebody and be like, hey, this is the new world order. You might want to like not take the shots and you probably don't need to wear that mask. You know, that's what they want. So in order to kind of which
0: if you think about it you know the new world order actually's been you know happening since 2001 some people said it you know started in 1989 from George Bush's father's speech some people said it started in the 90s some people said it started in the 70s oh, personally even, even i believe that. it started in 2001
1: even before that man like uh you know H G Wells wrote the book new world order he was one of the heads of this plan coming to fruition from the very beginning man like like looking at that shit you know this goes way back way 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 back Uh, but so, but, but tower seven is like one, like we were talking, we were like thinking like, okay, so what is like the quote unquote conspiracy? Like what is the chunk of like government corruption? That's so provable. So in your face that it can just instantly red pill somebody. And we were like, well, it has to be tower seven. Tower seven is like the crux of the whole thing. And really like when it comes down to it, when you're talking about September 11th and, uh, you know, countering the mainstream narrative really tower seven is the crux of the whole argument the crux of the entire discussion centers around that um one of the guys who i've been fortunate enough to get to know through this whole process um i actually do editing work for him um and i'm gonna he's making a new feature film he's done several feature films already but he's gonna work on a new one and hopefully i'm gonna be a part of that project as well but it's uh richard gage who is an architect. Um, Richard Gage, and he founded Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth, you know, back in, like, 2006. And he had the same experience where he was driving and he was listening to a, uh, a radio interview with a... Uh, oh, man, what's the guy's name? I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's name that he was listening to. But in the radio interview, the interviewer was talking about how a third tower fell on September 11th. A third tower. And, and Richard, being an architect and an engineer... Was like, hold on, no way, we would have known about this. <clears throat> that can't be true because if it were true, I would have known about this already. And so he was he went and looked it up and was like, Wow, sure enough, tower. There was a third tower. And this t- this tower was the Solomon Brothers building. And that was across the street from the two, you know, tower one, tower two. Um, let's see, gosh, do you do screen sharing on this? Sure, you we, we can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me see if I can like. Let me see if I can find a video. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. Um, yeah. Let's let's do the. Hold on. Let me just make sure. Okay, that's so funny. So, this is the official NIST video, and we don't need audio. But let me let me get to it here. But I, I want. So I really want to get your first impression on this. Now, keep in mind. Okay, keep in mind. Uh,
0: uh sorry. So how do we do screen share?
1: Okay, so you know, at the very bottom of your screen there um there's a there's a little plus button right yeah okay if you click the plus button and then oh gosh i don't know how you like authorize me to or here i'll pull up i'll pull up a link i'm gonna do that i'll send you this link there might be a way to like oh here we go i might be able to do it there we go okay i can just do it yeah never it's not like zoom where you have to like have ask permission How about we do this pull this out okay cool so anyway sorry to waste time here but this is important stuff so keep in mind here's how i the- don't see
0: it i can't see it on my end
1: yep yep i haven't pulled it up yet i just want to say keep in mind
0: no on.
1: okay there we go mm-hmm. um so oh that's what it is then you have to yeah there you go okay so this is this is the solomon brothers building this is like a fifth it's like a 47 49 50 story building right across the street from towers one and tower two now in most cities in most cities in the entire country a 50 story building would tower over every single building in your city this is not just some tiddly wink building. This is a gigantic building. Okay. Now the story goes, two planes hit World Trade Center one. And then, another, well, one plane hit World Trade Center one. One plane hit World Trade Center two. After a few minutes, the structure from both of those buildings became so compromised that they collapsed at free fall speed into their own footprint, defying every law of physics imaginable. Right. Okay. Now this is Tower Seven. This is about 5:20 in the evening on September 11th. So this is after nine, like about nine hours after the original towers fell. Mm -hmm. All right. Now give or take, you know, uh, within that time frame. Now some debris from the two larger buildings had gone into this building and had caused some office fires in one section of this building. Okay. Now the way the official story goes is that those office fires weakened the vertical beams in this building in one little section, in one little section of this building, okay? Now tell me if you think that weakened beams in one tiny little section of the building is what caused this. You ready? I'm going to play it. Here we go. So this is... Oh, there it goes. Okay. You saw that, right?
0: You know what? that looks a total demolition
1: yes I, exactly
0: like, oh honestly dude with the eye it's it's not like buildings that are made like that yeah the whole thing just fell Too powerful to fall like that yes because, dude, <laughs> if buildings like that were designed to fall like that they would have collapsed ye- ages ago yeah. but like oh man honestly and especially you know how like The United States government got $7 trillion, you know, $7 trillion went missing and also other stuff, you know, when other facts in 9-11. Yeah. I mean, especially when you also have someone saying that they're going to invade other countries for like after seven years, you know, like Syria and Iraq and stuff. Yeah. Just all the deals they did before this, all the events leading up to it. It's just insane, mate. It's absolutely insane, Scott.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and and so you just nailed it right there, man. Like like, uh, and you could probably take it off screen share there. I just wanted I just wanted you to see that. I wanted to get your reaction because your reaction is exactly it, man. Like that that is it is it is a controlled demolition, and I'm not just saying that. We have evidence to back that up. And when I say we, I'm saying I'm not like saying we as in I'm affiliated with these folks. I'm just saying like in general, there this this information exists and it was put together by architects and engineers for 9/11 Truth. And when Richard Gage saw that. And started connecting these dots he's like there's no way there's no way that that building fell the way that we're being told it fell now it's funny because that video i was just playing was off of the official nist the national institute of standards and technology webpage which is a government entity who is tasked with uh coming up with the explanation for why that that building fell and that's what they said it was like one beam one beam was weakened by office fires and caused that whole building to come down now If it was one beam that had failed, the whole building would have fallen towards the direction of that beam. It would have fallen over sideways. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So what what happened was is that architects and engineers from 9-11 Truth, Richard Gage, and his crew, they commissioned a study through the University of Alaska Fairbanks. And uh, I can't remember the guy's name, professor, but he put together a study. They did recreations. they, They did computer modeling. And they determined without a shadow of a doubt and you can find out information about all this at ae911truth.org, ae911truth.org. Um, you can get all the whole study. You can get links to the University of Alaska study. You can get all the paperwork, all the engineering documents, everything that proves with honest, beyond a shadow of, beyond any shadow of any doubt, as far as I'm concerned. But in the actual study itself, the, like it says, like verbatim, it says the only way that that building could have collapsed the way it did was the simultaneous failure of every single vertical column not just one like nist is saying NIST is trying to tell us that there was one vertical column that failed that caused that building to come down the evidence clearly shows that it was brought down due to the simultaneous failure of every single vertical column in the building at the exact same time which can only be achieved through controlled demolition so therefore There had to have been explosives planted ahead of time. Therefore, there was foreknowledge to the event. Therefore, it was not, it's not what we're being told. So that's the whole crux of like the 9-11 movement, basically. You know, there's a lot of evidence that Richard also goes into very, very heavily on the nanothermite, uh, the thermite, the nanothermite that was found in the uh, explosive material, also indicating controlled demolitions. But, uh, you know, that's the focus of his work is the nanothermite from both towers one and two, and the uh, the structural failure of Tower Seven. I mean, that's that's it right there. And so we can just be like, nope, you're lying. We you know that's the thing. It's like we don't have answers. It doesn't lead you to who is responsible for it. Um, it leaves you a lot more questions than you have answers. But without a doubt, it lets us know that we're not being told the truth. And so, you know, when I first came across that, to go back and answer your question, when I first came across that, I was like, oh, so what else are they lying about? And it kind of just opened my mind up to the possibility that you know maybe what, we aren't what being other person. lie
0: what other lie yeah. were the new was the elitist uh, spreading apart from 9-11 that also made you think what the heck yeah that was creeping you out a lot
1: yeah so as far as what else though so as my journey progressed i started getting into other you know content sources and started listening to a lot of podcasts uh some of the ones in my early podcasting days big shout out to uh Sam Tripoli, tinfoil hat. Tinfoil hat has been a big one on my truth journey. Uh, Greg Carlwood, the higher side chats, Um, those conspiracy guys. uh, 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 What am I blanking on his name? Gordon Gordo, Gordon Rockford, over in Ireland, over in your neck of the woods. Um, You know, those were shows that really played a big part of me, like like putting little pieces together here, like, oh, what are these Freemasons? Oh, what is the Federal Reserve? Oh, the, the moon landing. Of course, the moon landing is fake. Yeah, that, that's an easy one. I can get on board with that. You know, just kind of going down each of these little rabbit holes innocently, just kind of poking around. And then I remember uh, it was an episode of The Higher Side Chats with Greg Carwood. He had on a lady named uh, Fiona Barnett, and uh, she was a satanic ritual abuse survivor. And her story... And I've looked into her quite a bit. I still haven't made up my mind about her. I know there's probably a lot of people listening. They'll be like, oh, she's a shill. She's fake. Which I've come to find out that most people say that about everybody at some point. And you can never make anybody. You can't make everybody happy. Everybody thinks everybody's a shill or a fake or whatever. So I take it all with a grain of salt. And I look at the information as much as possible. And what Fiona was sharing about was her experience as a kid as the survivor of satanic ritual abuse, which involved her claim being like, you know, very, very rich, powerful people um, raping and murdering kids right in front of her and how she was kind of groomed and brought into that culture and was kind of like, as a a child, as a young child, and then as like a teenager, she was kind of like helping recruit other kids and just this crazy, insane shit. And they said, and her claims were like, this is a very, very prolific thing that happens everywhere. And most politicians and rich people are involved with this ritualistic exploitation raping and murdering of children and i'm just like hold on hey youtube you like this you like this one hey man i'm sorry i know you got two strikes but
0: man <laughs> you know, it's I'll okay try- Dude, keep going you can keep talking about this it's okay
1: all okay you know what i'm saying and so i'm just like as richard grove uh would say i was a bit incredulous i was like uh no this is crazy and so i started looking into some of these things and i led to some things like the franklin scandal the finders cult there's a movie that's really hard to find these days, but it's still out there. I think it's still on a uh, bit Let me see. Bitshoot.com. Um, it used to be on YouTube, believe it or not, but this was, uh, it got purged maybe like 2019 ish. But, uh, if you go to bit and you type in Imperium, I M P E R I U M two zero one eight, 2018 Imperium 2018. There it is. Yep. 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 So there's volume one and volume two. um, So, yeah, you can, you can, yep, there it is. So, Imperium Volume One, Volume Two. Uh, each one is like, you know, uh, that's interesting. They're both, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, one's about two hours. One's about two hours and 40 minutes.
0: Who who was the one who, who was the person who made this?
1: I don't know. So, baseball, this is an interesting film because it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, they call it a meta documentary. It's a, it's a 10 parter. So, there's 10 different, um, stories within it and what they do is they basically just aggregate they basically edit down and aggregate 10 different documentaries and the theme of all 10 documentaries is not just the trafficking and exploitation of children but the government involvement and government cover-ups of of uh missing and exploited children it go, it, it, like the open open secret goes in is in here which is the franklin scandal um there's a fascinating one uh dutro I can't remember his first name Dutro from Belgium that was a huge case where it was just like a missing child incident that led all the way up to the entire Belgian government was implicated in this whole insane child trafficking situation. And the, the UK is very prominently premiered in this documentary. Um, and it goes. I mean, the looks, UK is a
0: huge problem yeah, with that. Exactly. You
1: know? Exactly. And and I mean, the U, the U.S. too. And they do a good job because they show Democrats and Republicans. The Republicans used to used to like this used to be their bread and butter. Uh, back in like the Bush senior era, there's, there's like a, uh, you know, the, the Johnny gosh, uh, that's the Franklin, the Franklin cover up. Johnny gosh, Paul Bonacci, you know, like bringing callboys into the white house. That was like headlines. There was like Washington examiner headlines back in the day of like underage sex, uh, like, like underage child prostitutes being brought into the white house it used to be headline news. And like, nobody even like talks about that. And it's all featured in this documentary and it's powerful stuff. I wouldn't recommend sitting there and watching it all in one sitting cuz that movie will wreck you. <laughs> but uh but you know I started realizing this sort of stuff and I'm like, "Oh geez. So now I'm just like now I'm like, "Okay. Another one that really is a powerful one. I don't know, let's see what's his name. Um Ronald uh Ronald oh it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, he like was a banker. Um in the chat that can Colorado, but like uh an Illuminati, it was like Illuminati banker whistleblower type guy. So he was like uh banking uh let me see. He basically got to the highest level of finance he could possibly go. And he said he was invited then to these uh, you know, rituals that involved like, you know, the sacrifice of children. Just like, okay. Uh Ronald Bernard, that's what it is. Ronald Bernard confession. Let me see if I can find this. Uh anyway so you know these are just little chunks of the puzzle that really got me like just like what the hell dude like this is insane like okay so obviously we're not being told we're not being uh told the whole story and then not only that so here here we go i see you pulled it up there so this this one right here i don't know how you can get it on like if they if it's still on youtube or not let me see Ex dutch banker exposes it's a powerful testimony you know it's basically him being interviewed for about 30 minutes and him, disc- you know, giving his testimony. Yeah, this is it. This is it. Ronald Bernard, whistleblower. Um, and it's in Dutch with, like, English subtitles. I think I've seen a version before that has, like, a translation.
0: I remember also John claude Van Damme when he was doing an interview, uh this in a French TV, that he was exposing the Rothschild and Rockefellers too.
1: Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, you know, he doesn't name anybody by name, but he was talking about how, like, he was in the highest levels of banking that you could possibly go like he was above you know these central banks looking down and watching their activity and like he just talks about like how it was like during the uh, post-Iraq war and how he was tasked with moving billions of dollars of cash that were just strapped to pallets you know that sort of stuff like crazy shit and being told that like you know if you're gonna play at this level you were gonna have to take all of your empathy and all of your conscience and you're going to have to put the way he describes you have to put it like in the refrigerator and close the door and pretend like it doesn't exist like you cannot have a conscience doing what we're doing and he's like yeah that's fine that's fine i'll make a bunch of money i'll make billions of dollars and then i'll get out and then he said as he continues to climb the ladder and get to the top now you're dealing with people who you know we don't know their names like everyone's like oh yeah elon musk is the most richest guy in the world or Bill Gates no 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 these are like peons like there are people with they're out there and, with like yeah,
0: compared to like the Rothschild the Rockefellers Carl Swab or even that, much.
1: even even those people are very low level you know what I mean like these the, the, like we don't know the, the names or the identities or the ethnicities or the origins of any of these high high level people you know that's what he that's what he's saying it's just like you know once you get to those top levels and you start interfacing with these people it's like a whole like their whole like outlook on life and their whole religion is basically just like their life is just like fed by like the suffering of children it's crazy like that's their that's their religion right there and it's 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 pretty insane you know so it's hard to wrap your mind around these things. And I hate to even bring it up, but like, you know, that was a big red pill for me. And I'm just like, okay, so we're I, now I see what we're up against. Right. And so now I'm just trying to learn more. And it's like one rabbit hole leads to another. And my favorite one is like the whole Tesla, uh, the, the story of Tesla's life and like how that intersects with like banking, you know, the whole JP Morgan, you know, uh, uh, Thomas Edison, like it's a crazy one. It's innocent. It's fun. I've heard people say, Oh, it's a bunch of bullshit too. Of course, like all these, but, it's a fun one. It's a fun one. So it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom all the time. You can go down some fun rabbit holes, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, like is Michelle Obama, is she really a man? You know, that's a fairly innocent one. You know, we can all have, have fun with that one, you know, things like that. So yeah, man. But that, so then we just, I started podcasting post COVID to really get the word out about what it was I was seeing and try to like really just to help people be like, you guys don't have to be afraid. You don't have to fall for this. It's gonna be all right. Like all we have to do is just not comply and just say no. Like it's fine, like we'll be okay. I had no idea what we were up against, obviously. You know, the, the 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 propaganda campaign, the psychological operations that were waged against us. Like it's just mind-blowing looking back to see like what it is and what we've withstood. And uh the censorship and just everything. It's just so crazy, man. Uh I'm grateful. This is the type of war we get to fight where we just get to go on the microphone and talk shit. About Klaus Schwab and all that, you know. Like, thank God, this is the type of war we're fighting. Memes, you know, making memes. Like, thank God, like this is a war of memes
0: more than anything. What is your What is your favorite meme that you made? Ah, well, you know,
1: I mean, I make memes periodically. You know what I've been doing lately, and
0: uh
1: I don't know. Here, I can I can show you here. Let me do one more screen share here, so I'll, I'll show I'll show your listeners and viewers um a, a little project. So I'm trying to give i uh, I'm trying to give uh the babylon b a run for their money i've got so i've been making my own little like babylon b style satirical headlines right so here you go let me let's see so, so this is the one i came up with uh actually this is earlier today so this is you know biden got another child sniffing incident a couple of days ago so so here in the yeah, u.s i
0: saw that hey that was so <laughs> creepy you know especially how he talked about like how he yeah. says oh you know no serious men until you're 30 and you have exactly. that, out yeah. that he, well recently you know, said he that this girl was 12 and he was 30 and all the incident with hunter biden it's just yeah. insane
1: well over here in the united states i don't know how much of it gets over to your neck of the woods but uh you know it's just such a joke like it's just such a joke uh, again an open secret that biden is just this terrifying just predator it's just insane but anyway this is kind of a poking fun at the also in the United States news. It's like the idea of uh, the fact that the IRS, the internal revenue service, the people that collect all of our taxes just hired 87,000 new agents. And they're saying, Oh no, it's, it's not, it's not anything bad. You know, it's to go after the rich people. It's like bullshit. You're going to use that to come after all of us. You know what I mean? Our little pay, like anyway, so that was poking fun at that. So saying child protective services hired 87,000 new agents as Biden continues to make more, sniffing appearances around this. so anyway I, I i you know so i've been i've been doing that lately i've got a few other ones on there if you guys follow me at, at rebunked pod on instagram or at t.me forward slash rebunked pod on uh telegram you'll you'll get the the lowdown on all those but probably my favorite meme um probably my favorite there's a couple good ones one,
0: one i really like that you just did was the one where pretty much you know uh beavis i think it's beavis or butthead was pretty much lying down he says don't give me monkey pox
1: oh yeah 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 where they're like wrestling yeah oh, hey, hey hey Butthead, it's giving me monkey pox <laughs> yeah
0: mouth <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <was> cool uh, <laughs> yeah
1: anyway i do a good beavis and butthead impression i don't know if you know
0: yeah, you know the Beavis and butthead you know thing with joe biden which was hilarious
1: <laughs> yeah yep yeah, yep yeah, yep yeah, yep yeah. he's been like yeah the guy's <clears> going <throat> dude it's just he's just a, a laughingstock like the whole world looks at. i mean oh, okay he I,
0: can't even walk straight i remember like watching a video the other day where like he was like am i supposed to say this am i supposed to hear? i feel sorry for the guy i mean as much that, of a terrible person he is he's being a b like it's not him who's in charge it's like the yeah, higher huh. ups. a lot of people say one thing i want to point out is a lot of conservatives say it's obama running things no it's actually yeah. not it's other people up there. It's the Rothschild, the Rockefellers, the bankers who are the ones who are controlling him. They know for a fact that he's going to follow the orders, especially with the deals that his son did with, like, Ukraine and Russia and, like, China. It's just insane, man, you know? Oh, yeah,
1: totally. And I, and I feel like the Rothschilds, the Rock, you know, all these, these higher-level interests, they control all of them, even Trump, dude. Trump was just, like, he just fell right in line with all the rest of them, right? It doesn't matter. The, the presidential politics, like, any of our leaders, dude, it's such... A sham and a scam and i'm just i'm so over it but uh i, I so i just want to say though my favorite meme though i think it was the one with ralph wiggum are you familiar with ralph ralph wiggum from the simpsons you know what i'm talking about
0: yeah ralph ralph i know he's pretty yeah, funny
1: the dumb kid the dumb kid like the police chief's son the super like you know very very like um you know he rides the short bus type kid but anyway it's like a picture of him with his finger in his nose and he's like jeffrey epstein's friend said i need to get a booster shot <laughs> I mean that's oh, a, that sums up the whole thing right there. The whole psyop, the whole everything. It's like, hey, do you guys realize that all these people that are telling us we need to inject this shit in our bodies—they're all like Jeffrey Epstein's friends, right? They're all Jeffrey Epstein's friends. Every single one of them, including Trump. Get off my porch with all that shit.
0: <laughs> so when when some conservatives say that, like Trump actually, there was like a thing that came out where Donald Trump said. That, um, sorry, there's a thing a video I watched a long time ago where people said that Donald Trump was in a hotel with Epstein and he actually kicked Epstein out of hitting on a young girl. Yeah, what is your hang on? What is your thoughts on um, people saying that Epstein hate sorry that Trump hated Epstein and he wasn't friends with him? What is your thoughts on that when people try to back Trump like from not being that? Or like, what are the facts that you know to that are not from the mainstream media that are from other like? independent sources that say that trump was friends with epstein and he did do dodgy you know things behind the scene maybe
1: well uh decent point so apparently uh you know epstein was the one that introduced him to melania so melania you know trump met his wife through epstein right so they were a little bit closer than may meets the eye that's one there's an interview of donald trump talking about jeffrey epstein where he's like yeah, he he likes younger girls. Yeah, he likes them young. He likes them young, you know. I don't know. He likes them young. Likes <laughs> I like your
0: friends. Trump impression. It's funny.
1: <laughs> I didn't even know I could do a Trump impression. I just kind of just popped out. You know, he likes them. He likes them a little young, you know. Yeah, he likes them young. <laughs> I'm going to have to work on that. I might be onto something. So there you go. You know, he likes them young. He likes them young. And so anyway, so he knew. Everybody knows. Epstein was convicted of molesting children and trafficking children back in like 2011, you know, so anybody that had dealings with him after the fact, you know, so those are the two things that come to mind. Like when you mention it, however,
0: you want me to bring it up on the screen or
1: oh, yeah, bring this up on the screen. So this is a good shout out. So I I, uh, I'm looking forward to learning more because this is the new two volume series by the illustrious Whitney Webb. Are you familiar with Whitney Webb, her research and all that?
0: Not, not i've never heard of her
1: oh man you gotta get on with whitney webb so her her channel is uh unlimited hangout um she she's a correspondent also with the last american vagabond who i'm going to start doing some more oh, very good
0: i watched actually a very good interview with last american vagabond yep, yep with yep. Yemen, the war in yemen and how terrible that is we can get into that a bit later Sorry.
1: sure sure sure. yeah yeah her, her beat has been tradition yeah she does a lot of like like uh geopolitics stuff but really her she got on the map in 2019 covering the Jeffrey Epstein stuff for mint press news. And now she's basically taken all that and come out with a two part 2 volume series, one nation under blackmail. And, uh, she, uh, yeah. So I'm looking for, I just ordered mine. So they're, they're going to hopefully get here in the next few days and I'll be able to start reading and learning more, but this is all, I guess, volume one dives into like the history of sexual blackmail in the United States, going all the way back to like, you know, the 20s or whatever like early mafia stuff like back when the fbi first was founded uh j edgar hoover being compromised right out the gate and then put in charge and then volume two once you have that foundational understanding is uh basically focuses on like the epstein the epstein crew epstein coterie <laughs> so uh so yeah man i'm excited to read that but just big shout out to her um you know everybody that i've heard you know what really if you want to get a good deep dive on this she was just on with uh richard grove and those guys over at grand theft world it's a fantastic show if your listeners are not listening to or watching grand theft world like that is like a must 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 watch like that's like the best show out there so uh uh yeah but she was just on and just did like a two-hour interview with richard and richard's like a a, he calls himself a forensic historian because he knows his history facts like nobody's business, man. What
0: What's one fact that he told you that really, you know, thought was awesome?
1: Well, I mean, over the years, one of the ones that really stood out to me that I was like, "Wait a minute, what?" And I had to go look this up. And again, we're we're treading into some dangerous waters here. I don't know if you're ready for this, but uh, <laughs> and and he's he's uh he's writing a book about the Rothschild. So he was he got access to like the Rothschild archive, and he said over the he's been writing a. Uh, over the many, many years, he's been working slowly and diligently on writing an, uh, a book about the Rothschilds. So I can't wait for that someday. I know it's probably going to be a ways away in the making because he's a very busy guy. But the piece of information that I found the most interesting. So there was a guy. Um, let me see here. Uh, okay, let me just get my my, my stuff here. So, uh, okay. we uh, we guy named Alfred Balfour, okay? um balfour and already people are like oh god here we go uh translated into english i don't even want to search this anymore okay anyway so uh, okay here we go so there's a guy named edgar dugdale edgar dugdale um was a translator and he's the one that completed the first translation the first english translation of mein Kampf was completed by a guy named Edward Dugdale. Now, who was that?
0: Mein Kampf about?
1: Okay, well, Mein Kampf was Hitler's book that he wrote. It was like his manifesto, his treatise, where he basically described, Adolf Hitler described, you know, in the 30s, what, uh, you know, he was imprisoned and he was, you know, seeing what was going on in his country and was like, you know, this I have a better idea. And so he wrote this book called Mein Kampf, which translates into My Struggle, which outlined his final solution and his uh his ideas for how to how to address the
0: problems that he was seeing in the world right oh, Hiller was, that... was also an evil guy and he was also funded by the rough and Rockefellers. do you know that
1: yes of course absolutely and so this lends some credibility to that yeah he was a horribly evil guy that did some horrible things you know not at all and and saying like you know nothing but like no 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 no, no, no. oh it's not just him know.
0: And Stalin was funded by the elitists. Mar- Marseille yeah. Dong yes. was.
1: Exactly, exactly. You
0: know, Saddam Hussein. And, you know, Bush's father helped out, you know, Hitler okay. too. Just like yes. Saddam Hussein, you know, pretty much. It's just okay. insane, man.
1: Yeah, so so I'm just going to lay some breadcrumbs breadcrumbs out there, and I'll let anybody else connect the dots. So Edgar Dugdale was the uh, husband of this gal. Uh, what was her name? It's in here somewhere. But anyway, she was the niece of Arthur Balfour. Okay. So Arthur Balfour's nephew basically was the one who translated Mein Kampf into English, which is important because, you know, in order for the World War II story and the Hitler bad guy story to proliferate, it needed to be translated into English. Now, who's all Alfred Alfred Balfour? I guess I just clicked on it there. Alfred Balfour. He was the... British, uh, prime minister of the UK. So he's, a uh, you know, this is some good English history, UK history, uh, blah, 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 blah. And he's the one who established the home for the Jewish people in Palestine and basically created Israel. He's the one that said, you know, during the height of British imperialism, he was like, Hey, that little piece of land right there, right near Palestine. Yeah. That's now Israel. Sorry. <laughs> so that was a famous thing called the Balfour declaration. Which is owned by the Rothschild, by the way. It's sitting in uh, Jacob Rothschild's one of his castles. He's very proud of it. I watched a video of him being like, you know, here we are, here we are. This is my, own, this and this is the Declaration. So this is like pretty much, uh, you know, the most, uh, like most, you know, most most uh, Israeli Jewish people like attribute this as the most pivotal thing in like modern history because it gave them their their homeland back, right? So the Balfour Declaration says Dear Lord Rothschild I have much pleasure in conveying to you on behalf of His Majesty's government the following declaration of sympathy for the Jewish Zionist aspirations which has been submitted to and approved by the cabinet His Majesty's government view with favor the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people and will do their best will use their best endeavors to facilitate the achievement of this object blah 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 So they basically just saying like Hey, guess what, guys? Here's your new home, and Palestine, Palestinians are like, "Whoa, dude! Whoa, 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 whoa! Slow down! What are you saying? What, huh? We didn't, we didn't, we didn't uh, discuss this. Like, what are you saying here? You know what are you saying? We're not, uh, we're not on the same page here. <laughs> and so, and and then then the, you know, they're just like, sorry. So it's somewhat controversial. But then, in order to instantiate this, and look, this is this is 1917. Okay, this is like right when World War One
0: was kicking off. You know a what I mean? war that was also based on lies for just yes, money. for yes. the United States and have even wanted to be a part of.
1: Yes, exactly. And so, you know, fast forward another 30 years, you would almost need something like World War II to happen for something like this to actually come to fruition. And, oh, we need to make sure to really, really make sure that this story holds water. We need to translate Mein Kampf into English. Hey, nephew, go do that. So there you go. So that I mean that's a big twisted rabbit hole. I'm not even saying anything other than just presenting some facts. But there you go, there you go. Mm. You
0: know, kind of crazy. I... Oh, I guess some people saw your private messages. Oops. Oh, <laughs> that's fine. So I don't
1: care. I don't care. It's all good. Those are those are my those are all my all my friends. My friends.
0: <laughs> so anyway, one how I view the Israel Palestine conflict, I look, I think. Jewish people are lovely. I think they're one of the most peaceful people out there. They're awesome. But as for the Israeli government, look, the Israeli government has good things about it and they're bad things, don't get me wrong. They do give a lot of Palestinians, you know, healthcare when they come into Palestine. They do give a lot of the rights to the Palestinians when they come. But at the end of the day, the Israeli and Palestinian governments are both committing, you know, atrocities against humanity, you know. And let's not forget that the Palestinian government is controlled by the united states government not controlled but it's funded by the united states government and israel is too so in a way you know it's kind of dilemma like one thing like the pro israel people don't don't need to remember that the united states government's also funding the terrorists in palestine and the pro-palestine people need to remember that also th- that the united states government is funding their thing you know and it's the democrats also funding it too it's insane
1: yep i mean i completely agree um there's a lot of it's it's all just like dude at that level it's all just a bunch of evil nonsense dude it's it's just evil beyond beyond belief you know and it's a this isn't a jewish thing a palestinian thing an arab thing an american thing a chinese thing and at that level across the board it's all just evil corrupt power driven psychopaths that's all that's it man and we uh we're just trying to bear the brunt of it and so you know I kind of want to get back a little bit to what I was saying earlier about like my podcast journey right And so that was a big piece of the my awakening and then like wanting to start a show to get the word out and t- telling everybody like, hey, here's this information you need to take this information and and then I've gotten to this point particularly in the last year and a half I'd say really really primarily the last year where I've gotten to a point like on my truth journey where I'm like, okay, so now what so I have all this information yes, I know that the world's run by a bunch of just psychopathic, child raping uh like just ho- the most horrible thing you could possibly imagine so now what so what what do we do about it and and i've ar- and, and i've really started going down the rabbit hole of like looking for solutions okay do, so do, do you
0: do? think humanity is going to wake up and fight back or do well, you so think that- the great awakening is winning right now
1: yeah man of course of course we're winning dude like the uh, the, the outward appearance of us losing is just a uh, product of their overwhelming ability to censor but they can't they can't keep us down forever. But here's the good news man, and this is really really the good news about the whole thing is that we don't have to wake everybody up. It's not our job to wake anybody up, dude. Like it's nice getting this information out there, but right now like the way we're going to survive whatever it is that happens is we just uh you know, we 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 you know, it's important to get this information out there, don't get me wrong, but also like what are we doing in our own personal lives? Are we building community? Are we gaining more self-reliance and independence, right? Are we finding ways to like get outside of the system? You know, are we able to like get a second income stream? Like it'd be nice. Like, dude, do you have like a Patreon page? Do you have a way that people can like help support you financially so that maybe you don't have to work as, as much, you know, and eventually maybe do this full time. I mean, that'd be a cool, cool uh, goal. You know, anything we can do to extract ourselves from the system, but also build community. Are you going to meetups? You know, I'm, not, I'm talking to like everybody. Are you going to meetups? Are you meeting your neighbors? Are you meeting other like-minded people in your area? If not, that's that's where the true power is, man. The power is that once we get together, and we form groups and we build trust and we start uh, figuring out ways to operate outside the system. Like maybe this person like grows this type of food and this person has eggs and this person has, uh, you know, they can fix things. This person's a mechanic and you start like networking and getting to know each other. You know, you can really extricate yourself from the system in mass. And there's a few different like resources to do that. Um, the best one I would say is the Freedom Cells movement, freedomcells.org. Like, go there and see if there's a, a Freedom Cell near your near you. And if there's not, you should start one and start getting people to meet and get together, you know, do like potlucks and just uh, get to know each other, do some skill sharing activities and just uh, start building your network, man. And that's how we're going to withstand this. We're never going to fight the government. We're never going to overpower, overtake the government. Like, not going to happen. But what we can do is we can build more autonomy in our own lives and come together and and whatever they to the point where whatever they do whatever they do it shouldn't matter what they do i got fired from a job for not taking the stupid shot and i'm not going to be in that position ever again because now i work for myself and i've built a strong community of people around me and uh you know know, whatever they can bring on whatever they want to do it's almost to the point where like i I won't be affected by whatever mandates they put down like if they what are they going to say you can't grow food yeah good luck you know
0: Um, in your podcast, what is your favorite interview that you've done?
1: Um, I would say some of my favorite ones are, uh, uh, Dr. Henry Ely is is like, I've had him, I've interviewed him twice. He's been my, uh, favorite, you know, for a while now. Like he's, he's such a great, he's got such a strong message of just like, uh, you know, very inspiring. The first time I ever had him on, like it was back when I was doing truth Zillow. So there was three of us and, uh, you know he had us all in tears you know he's that powerful so uh dr Henry Ely's a fantastic interview um you know you mentioned David Icke like obviously having David Icke on is just like a, that was a highlight of my podcasting career for sure um uh having Owen Benjamin on was a big treat. Um that was that was really cool that he took the time to come on. Um you know Rob Dew from InfoWars uh getting club plugged in with uh you know with him primarily but then, like you know, just having that connection has been really amazing. You know, he's opened up a lot of doors for me, so I'm really, really grateful for him, honestly. And then uh, I mentioned Richard Grove and Grand Theft World, having both Richard Grove, like the whole production team. I've had Richard Grove, Tony Myers, and Lawrence LD, uh, all three of the guys who helped produce that show on my show several times. So that was that's pretty cool stuff. You know, um, I don't know man i had dr mccullough on i had judy mike on back in the day like you know it's just been a cool journey like getting to to reach out to these people that you're always like look up and then and then ryan oh god how could i forget excuse me sorry <laughs> the last american vagabond okay ryan christian the last american vagabond i mean nobody if, if you guys aren't down with t the last american vagabond like dude check out that show his show is so top-notch i can't even begin to tell you man like his coverage over the last couple years with covid is you know nobody's done it as good as him and uh he's still to this day every day just cranking out just amazing shows and uh, i've been blessed with the opportunity to actually connect with him uh here in tennessee and i'm actually broadcasting right now sitting here from the last american vagabond studios so big shout out to ryan and allowing me to come in and how his, long uh, have you
0: been how long have you been with the America Bugabond studios
1: uh I've uh, I moved here in may may of this year so I've been here just you know five months <laughs> like barely hardly at all
0: how how is the area where you're living in coping with the inflation and like the immigrant crisis and all that stuff of the what's going on there
1: um I don't feel like we have much of an immigrant immigrant crisis it's not really that pronounced here I don't really feel like it's I don't know it's not something that I feel like people talk about here very much. Uh, so I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, which is, you know, a few states up from the border. Um, but, I mean, economically, this this town is just booming. This town is just like off the chart. Who is,
0: who is the mayor of the town?
1: I, I honestly don't know. I don't know who the mayor is. I, I haven't gotten involved in local politics at all here. Uh, Nashville is kind of a kind of a blue, masky place. Like you know, it's uh. It's kind of a, kind of a liberal stronghold for sure. Like this is one of the capitals of the entire like music industry. So, uh, so
0: yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that just goes with the territory, right? It's like, it's like, uh, it's like the Hollywood of the South kind of, but you know, it's mostly like country music type stuff, but I feel like people have like a, yeah, it's a very strong liberal vibe here not strong. I shouldn't even say strong. Like it exists. There's a, there's a liberal vibe that exists here, but, uh, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing I can't handle. I just moved here from Oregon, Eugene, Oregon, which had a very strong liberal vibe. It was like the, the only vibe that existed was a liberal vibe and you'd get chased out of storage or have your house burned down if you didn't wear a mask. So I'm, I'm much happier in a, in a state in a deeply red conservative state that doesn't, kindly to that type of
0: bullshit (laughs) (laughs) um speaking of that so you were telling me so when you think speaking of that right now alex jones was just you know said that he had to pay one billion dollars for pretty much allegedly lying about the sandy hook shooting whether you believe it or not personally i do think he maybe got it wrong there depending on how you look at it, you probably agree that he was right about it When you think about the Sandy Hook shooting and especially like how, you know, Alex Jones and like Steve Bannon are being charged like for pretty much, you know, by the corrupt government of the United States. What implication is that? Do you think that they're going to be end up going into jail? And do you think that this is a thing that is going to come after everyone eventually?
1: uh so i think yeah this is being used to set a legal precedent here in the united states so that they can um come after more people um you know i I mean i I haven't figured out it you know what what the deal is with sandy hook honestly like i have some, some evidence of people i know in my life who used to live in that area and so you know i've got some good like firsthand accounts that yes there were people that were killed there were kids that were killed now whether or not there were like uh, three commandos running from the back of the building that were captured on helicopter footage with guns, leaving the scene, running into the forest. Now, maybe they had something to do with it. I don't know. Um, But, uh, you know, it's just so insane to see how the whole narrative has switched to where 99% of people you walk up to and uh, you'd be like, hey, do you know who Adam Lanza is? Welsh Republic, do you know who Adam Lanza is?
0: I think I've heard of him. Yeah. Before, okay. Well, but I'm just...
1: Okay. Well, Adam Lanza was the shooter at Sandy Hook. <laughs> I, I, I'm just putting, I'm putting you on the spot. I, I didn't, you know, <laughs> it was just like, you know, that's the case in point. Not a single damn person in the world knows who the actual shooter what, is. What, what, what,
0: what one fact about Sandy Hook that disturbs you the most?
1: Well, there's helicopter footage of like three people leaving the scene, like with guns running into the forest from the back of the building. Like, you want to explain that? Like, so that, to me, the, those were the mercenary forces that were brought in to execute those kids and then blame it on Adam Lanza. That's what it was. So that's kind of what I think happened, that I think that there was, this was a government operation or just some sort oh, of the government,
0: operation. The, the government has done that before. There was this one incident a long time ago where kids apparently got killed. I can't remember what it was, but you remember that incident by, you know, it was um, at school or something where they got tear gassed or something?
1: Maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know, one, one of the things, well, yeah, gassing kids. That's one thing that the government is really, really good at is killing kids. That's one thing they're really, really good at. And they love it, too. They love it so much. Like uh, Madeline Albright, may she burn in hell, right? She died recently. But she was in the Bush White House. And when asked if uh, it was 500, what was it? Was it 500 million? Can't be. No, no, no. What was it five hundred thousand? Five hundred thousand Iraqi kids.
0: Yep, I know. Yeah. And it's when you look what's going on in Yemen yes. and Somalia right now, yes. and Libya, and like it's funny how they say they care about the kids, but then you got like you know Obama and Bush, and also Donald Trump. Yeah, Whoever, you know a lot of people say he's anti-war, but he's also you know doing dro- he was dropping bombs on Yemen and helping you know the Saudi Arabian genocide there. And if you look at it, you know, the Yemen genocide is one of the worst humanitarian, you know, crisis right now. And a lot of people say Ukraine is bad. Well, look what's going on in Yemen. That Like the same that's been going on in Ukraine has been going on in Yemen for nearly fucking eight years now. Syria, like 20, Syria, like pretty much 10 years. Iraq, like 20 years. It's just fucking the hypocrisy and all those people like put a flag up for ukraine you know like and but where, where's the flag for like somalia where's the flag yeah. like for yemen and guess what's going to be happening now in haiti haiti right now oh, could yeah. be having something which is absolutely outrageous you know yeah we
1: we know we know that these demons love preying on haiti right and that's their favorite thing in the world like just getting little kids from haiti like that's uh george bush or not? excuse me bill clinton's bread and butter man oh He's very, he's like, yes, more crisis in Haiti. That means.
0: Oh, they did a lot of bad things, you know, in Central America. They really fucked that place up big time.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just, just American, uh, American, just nonsense, dude. Like, uh,
0: you know, the, uh. Yeah, the government, especially, you know, what they did to Iraq and Iran. Like, Iraq and Iran, maybe Iran, you could argue, is not as bad as it is, I mean, depending on how you view it. But, like, Iran, Iraq used to be a great place in the 50s and 40s same thing with like you know kuwait and Lebanon. these countries used to be so good and then the islamic revolution came which was done by the cia and it's sad because you've got places like you know syria yemen you know uh what else Libya and Libya, which had the highest standard of living in the world, the, high, the highest standard of living in Africa, and one of the highest standard in the world, free education, free healthcare. And yeah. they said that Colonel Gaddafi was a madman, and Colonel Gaddafi pretty much wanted to make his own, you know, gold standard, which is going to rival the United States. Dolan wanted to put an end to the, end the ministry. Yeah. And then the Clinton said, No, we're not having it. Look what happened. He also yeah. got killed, too.
1: Dude, Gaddafi's a badass, dude. If, if you want more information about that, I want to give a shout out here because my buddy Dean Reiner, who does an episode or does a show called The Up Is Down podcast. Um I think he's kind of like on a is I is
0: think, Yeah, he's kind yeah, of on, on that podcast, on that podcast. Is there so there's an up and down, is there a left and right? <laughs> well,
1: he's the up is down, like everything that is up is down, everything that is left is right. I mean, you could definitely make an argument about that, you know? Um <laughs> there's definitely an yeah. argument to be made there. Uh but uh anyway, he does he, he uh, let me see. Uh Libya he had on two people. Okay, so it's episodes 80 and 81 of the Up and Downs up is Up is Down podcast, uh, where he does an interview with these two folks that just uh it's like four and a four-hour total interview about folks that were living in Libya prior to the US occupation and that whole overthrow. And just again, it's just a powerful testimony as to like nothing we've been told is true. And what was happening in Libya is actually pretty amazing, man. Like, sh- sure, it was like under the You know, it was like a socialized, socialist type of approach to fixing this problem. But, like, it's almost like Gaddafi was, like, the benevolent person that communism dreams of. Like, communism is based on the idea that some benevolent ruler will help all the citizenry. And it's kind of what Gaddafi was doing, man. He was, like, turning their oil profits and building, like, he was trying to, like, turn the desert into blush, you know, plush food forests you know he was trying to re-agriculturalize the have, have you, you
0: know? it's also talking about libya have you heard what's going on rwanda at the moment oh, rwanda's having an economic oh, boom at the moment they're doing incredible
1: really? okay good well good it's about freaking time dude like i i can't wait for the day that africa rises man like they have all the resources and they you know, tanzania, Well,
0: tanzania just had their president but tanzania was apparently doing very good too
1: yeah I say Africa deserves a little time to be in the spotlight, man. Let them be like a, you know, a, a Oh,
0: dude, platform. Russia does too, especially yeah. with how good Russia's doing economically, yeah. you, know, you know. Belarus, Serbia too, you know, um what else? Brazil, you know, has got a lot of potential.
1: Yeah. You know what I heard recently? This is a really interesting argument. I think it was Owen Benjamin that was made made, made this argument, but I was like, "Damn, that's such a good point." So it's like one of the reasons why Africa is so impoverished and they're not able to like just get grips on anything to pull themselves out of this just devastating poverty is due to the fact that like the united states keeps sending them aid (laughs) like the example being like okay like let's say you have like a textile factory in africa and you're making like linens and clothing and then all of a sudden the united states just sends over a boatload of like free clothes for everybody everybody gets free clothes and then nobody's like buying into the economy and then the, the that factory goes out of business and so by the u.s just giving everything to them they're not able to establish their own economy in any way shape or form and just live off of the dependence what is your
0: what is your thoughts on like people saying that russia you know apparently actually gives you know i saw videos where like apparently they were saying that the russians were giving like were helping like rebuild homes in afghanistan and iraq which actually was true they were doing Mm -hmm. that i mean which is incredibly well you know there was also uh whether you disagree also China was doing that too China was also helping you know like build a lot of african nations you know train like train tracks they helped a lot with ethiopia you know building their train tracks same with russia you know and there's that meme you know that says that you know the united states government you know pillages destroys these countries but then you know russia helps out these countries china debatable but yeah i mean if if china and russia are doing i mean if, if russia i know for a fact are doing that but if China are actually doing that, the CPP are doing that, as much as, you know, I'm not a fan of the CPP still, I'm going to give credit to them. Good for them, yeah. you know, helping yeah. Africa build.
1: Totally, man. I think we need to just get past, you know, okay, that's just, it that speaks to the fact that the tech, that there's technology is at a state where there's no reason why anybody should be suffering or being hungry anywhere in the world at all, period. You know, I just pray for a day in a world where people begin to grasp that, you know, If we if if we all prosper, then everybody wins, you know what I mean? Like, why does it have to be that their power is contingent upon our suffering and subjugation? Why can't we just every I know this kind of sounds kind of wishy-washy John Lennon communist shit, but through the technology that we have, there's no reason, like the technology is not evil, even though it's being deployed against us in an evil way. Technology exists to where everybody could flourish. Our reality, our world, our world is infinite abundance, man. When you take a step out and take a look at nature and how much open space there is, and just realize that like food comes from the dirt, man, like the sun and the dirt. There's no reason why anybody, like, It's just infinite abundance everywhere. Everywhere is infinite abundance, infinite, you know. And and we're just we're just trapped, man. Like it's so crazy. Like well, we're trapped in this constructed matrix that we have the ability to break out of. You know, I'm not saying like you know people in Africa. Oh, why don't you just break out of your matrix and grow some food? I know it's not that easy. But at the same time, man, like, you know, I pray for a world where we adopt that attitude where, you know, if we just innovate towards everybody prospering, then, you know, maybe there'll be some hope with it, man. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. (sighs) That's my prayer. That's my prayer.
0: (laughs) You also said to me that you also met Alex Jones, too. You went to, like, his studio and you met Alex Stein.
1: Yeah. So that was, uh, that the InfoWars does a thing called uh Summerfest and they've done it like the last three years. I believe this is the third year and, uh, I made the decision to go. So I flew down to Austin, Texas and went to that event. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, like I said, I, I know Rob Dew, who's the senior producer there and he was just super cool, man. I met my buddy, Matt Baker, uh, follow him on Instagram at Matt Baker underscore unhinged. You recognize him as the the dread dreadlock guy that You know, it was kind of one of the first city viral City Council videos back in, like, 2020. Um, Awesome video. Hilarious. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. I've been Matt Baker, San Diego City Council, uh, or uh, Board of Supervisors, whatever they call it. But uh, I called him up because I know he's a big InfoWars fan. I'm like, bro, you got to meet me in Austin. We're going to this stupid thing. He's like, oh, man, I don't know, man. I don't have, like, any money. I'm like, bro, I don't care. We're going to Austin. I don't care what it takes. Go. He's like, okay, man, all right. So, (laughs) so we met up in, in austin and hung out you know we shared a hotel and a rental car and uh yeah dude it was badass we got like vip access to this tour of the studio got to hang out with rob du at rob do's house swimming in a swimming pool and, shit. and like uh and then while we were at the studio you know they were telling us like you know don't expect to meet alex you know he just comes in he does his thing and then he leaves he just goes on his way um but uh but yeah, so we were in the hallways, and he, you know, we come around the corner, and there's Alex, and we're like, "Oh shit!" And like he comes up to us, shakes our hands, and uh, and basically just said, like, you know, because well, he didn't come to the picnic, he wasn't there at the picnic, and we're like, "Alex, we missed you at the picnic," and he's like, he's "Like, yeah, I'm working seven days a week, they trying to take me off the air, but I'm not gonna let them." Like, all right, Alex, and it was right before his show, he's supposed to go on the air, because uh, Matt, and then a uh, big shout out to Frank Kavanaugh, former bass player of Filter. He, we were all in the studio together, and they both went on Harrison Smith's show, the morning show there. And so we just got done with Harrison's show, and then we were just kind of hanging out and uh and like we you know, after Alex took off from there, we were still just kind of hanging out. and then Alex went on the air live and had to stand there in the hallway and watch through the production room and watch Alex like do his thing right there, just like, well, there he is doing his thing. And uh, I was describing to you before the show too. like it was really in my mind. I don't know what it was, but it's like this might just be how I remember it. but the way I was describing it to you is like, you know how you like you, you see things like in movies or you see things like a photograph of something and then you go see it in real life and it seems like a lot more uh like a lot smaller or diminutive compared to the way you visualize it in your head from like the, the big screen you know it's usually in real life it's like oh that's it oh well <laughs> seeing Alex Jones in his studio doing it live from the studio it was like even larger than life i just remember just being like whoa dude like whoa this is crazy so truly truly an honor and uh yeah very grateful so next year when we go to Summerfest, like 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 all of this will have blown over all the bullshit oh we didn't even i didn't really answer your full question on that i don't know how i got on these damn tangents but well you know all oh, we were talking about sandy hook and then we got yeah, yeah yeah yeah. so but you know my thinking is that by hopefully this time next year all of that will have blown over you know everyone will realize that uh it was a bunch of bullshit and we're going to be shooting 50 cows with alex next year that's the goal shooting 50 cows
0: yeah. with alex next year and i hope you can get alex on your show that would be fantastic yeah really. i'm working on it
1: i'm working on it i got i got a i got some tricks up my sleeve but i'm working on it
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyways thank you very much scott for coming on my show it was a pleasure having you before we finish up is there anything else you would like to say
1: well man i feel like uh it's always an honor getting invited on other people's shows like it's just like who am i i don't even know dude like i just talk to a mic and whenever somebody asks me to come on i'm always honored and so i'm very grateful to join you here um i was gonna say hey well, i should put this out on my platform and then maybe we could bring some of my listeners over to your show so why don't you tell my listeners how to find your show
0: uh you can find me well so i usually i was on youtube before i have a youtube backup account called welsh republic podcast backup but unfortunately youtube is very iffy of me they don't really like me that much because they gave me a second community strike hmm. so i'm mostly on rumble you can also find me on float float is where you can also find me and you can also find me on obviously so yeah i mean you can still find me on the youtube backup account but i will probably be focusing on those other channels if they're going to let us upload this video Okay, yeah <laughs> but totally. yeah that's where you find it where can people find you scott
1: Uh well, links to my show are at rebunked.news, R-E-B-U-N-K-E-D.news. And you you know, you can find the video platforms on all podcast players. Oh, are you on are you on like regular podcast players? Like you you upload the MP3 version to like audio podcast?
0: Uh no, I don't. Uh, I just upload it to Rumble and stuff like that. You should look
1: into that, dude. You should look into that. Cause like with YouTube, what you do is download the file and then like put it into like a video editor and just export the MP3 and then upload it on like using like Podbean or something like that. And then you can like you know, get a whole new audience of people that just listen to podcasts. It'd be a good, something to look into. I can talk to you about that more later if you won't figure that out. So I love helping people get their podcasts, like, you know, to new levels. So let me know if you're interested in that.
0: It sounds very cool. I look forward to that. Awesome. Anyways, thank you, Scott, for joining my show. It was a pleasure yep. having you. Pleasure to be and here. And I just, and I just want to say to everybody, thank you for joining the Welsh Republic podcast episode 67 Have a nice day, everybody. Take care. Peace out.